Pros of all things fantasy. So now we're going the opposite direction. Now we're going with guys that we think could help win you your leagues that you are overlooking or the ECR is overlooking, wherever the case may be. So let's talk about those guys. Chris, I'm going to kick it to you first. Give me some of your sleepers. Well, you kind of hit on one earlier when you were talking about a guy who's going to be better than Jerry Judy, and that's Cortland Sutton. Uh, like I said, we have talked about, you know, we've heard nothing but good things coming out of camp off season, and including last year as well. Cortland Sutton wasn't as productive as you hoped last year, but talk about some regression due. This Denver offense cannot be as bad as it was last year. Cortland Sutton is the alpha receiver in his target and might be one of the last standing by, you know, by the time the season starts. Um, he's going to be a guy that Sean Payton knows how to utilize. He, you know, he's been challenging him all summer about getting back to 2019 Cortland Sutton. Everything I'm hearing Cortland Sutton took that serious. You know, they've been watching about Michael Thomas tapes. I see a lot of comparisons as players as well. Cortland Sutton's a guy that can use his body, can get down the field. I like Cortland Sutton a lot especially when you talk about some other guys going ahead of him. I like it a lot. Yeah, you're, you're going to get no argument out of me, especially as a guy who has him ranked at wide receiver 34 right now. Uh, and with, especially with Jerry Judy injury, I think it just kind of reinforces that, that Cortland Sutton is somebody who should be looked at and they've been featuring in the offense. I would not shy away from him just because you've been burned. I don't really shy away from guys because you've been burned in the past as long as our situation set up for them to be productive again this year. So I'm with you on Cortland Sutton. What else you got? Well, maybe a little bit it's my way farther down than even Cortland Sutton's on the board. And this guy's somehow gotten forgotten about all summer, despite shining out in camp, like I keep talking about, and also preseason. Romeo Dobbs is Jordan Love's primary target. And I don't understand how you can look at like a Jaden Reed as not a rookie who's going to play some slot receiver when they have five tight ends on their team. And you're taking him over Romeo Dobbs who has an obvious connection. That's all you've heard about. You've seen it on the field for your own eyes. So Romeo Dobbs to me is an absolute steal and just something that I am not understanding what fantasy people are doing right now. Let's put it, let's put, let's put it this way, Chris, because we talked about this earlier. There's no way in hell Romeo Dobbs should be below Jackson Smith and Jigba with the target share that he's going to work. He's going to walk into this year. 100%. There's another reason why I'm not on guys like that. I'd rather have guys who are in situations that are with big, bigger target shares. Even if maybe the offense is maybe not going to be quite as good, although with the Packers, they're a wild card. They could be just as good as Seattle offensively this year for all we know if Jordan Love can actually put some things together. They do have some explosive weapons on there. And I'm with you. I don't buy into this. Jaden Reed is going to overtake Romeo. Jaden Reed's a slot receiver. That, that's what he is. Romeo Dobbs is the guy who could play inside, outside. And I think just because he's a fourth-round pick, people seem to hate on the idea that he could be anything more than what he was last season. We talk about all the time wide receivers taking another leap in their year two, and I see a guy who has all the tools. I'm with you. I don't get it. He's a big reason why I'm not as high on Christian Watson as most people. Uh, I have Christian Watson dangling around it. Like I said, a wide receiver 20, 27 for me right now. Most people have him inside the top 24 because I don't think he's going to get the same target share. You think he's going to be able to receive. Now he's going to get the bigger plays. He's probably going to get more of the touchdowns. Yes. That's why I have him at wide receiver 27, but Romeo Dobbs, you want to talk about guys to take shots on. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. I like that. Yeah, so another guy that I have on the list, and you know, we were—I'm not going to go too deep, much detail about him. But we talked to Brandon Ayuk already. Brandon Ayuk, I think, like I said, I think he's a steal. I think he is number one receiver on this team. I think he should be drafted ahead of Debo Samuel, and I think Brandon Ayuk's going to be a guy that you're happy to have in your lineup week in, week out. Um, so I'll give you one more, and for me, this guy is. 
I understand there's going to be a lot of trepidation of taking him. Um, but when he's out there on the field, he's productive. And that's Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, to me, is a guy that everybody's kind of just forgotten about. He's going to be hurt. You're assuming he's going to be hurt. Look, maybe he is, maybe he's not. But I know he played three games last year, and he averaged 17.4 points in half-point PPR last year. So that's a receiver one potential that you can get for at least a few games. A lot of these guys are talking about, you know, we're hoping them pop off here or there. What I kind of bank my rankings on is I checked guys who are consistent, and then I look for some shots to take. For me, a guy to take a shot on is Michael Thomas, a guy who I just think is with the values definitely there. Um, I think ECR, you know, everybody's assuming, like I said, he's going to stink, but he played last year and he still was successful. Let's be clear here. The reason he was successful is because of the touchdowns that he got. Now, you can make the argument that he's just a really good touchdown presence and that maybe he pulls an Adam Thielen out of his hat where he just gets into the red zone enough times where it doesn't really matter the fact that he's getting a lack of targets that you would look for in a wide receiver of that caliber. Maybe that's the case. But I also know Chris Olave is about to take the next step up. And Michael Thomas is somebody who's reported as being widely inconsistent in camp. Some days he looks pretty good. Other reports say, you know, other days he looks like he can't get open. He looks like a shell of himself. I do, I do lean towards the size of Michael Thomas's wash. But the point is this. If you're going to take the draft capital on Thomas, you're probably drafting the double-digit rounds anyway. I don't think it's going to hurt you. This is not a way I'm going to go. Well, I, mean, I can understand that perspective, but I also look at a guy that has been a receiver one. Uh, no, it hasn't been as of recent, but you call up about those touchdowns. They don't have any kind of depth about Denver having you know some issues at receiver. This New Orleans team has Chris Olave and Michael Thomas, and they're praying neither one of those guys get hurt because the depth is horrendous for this team. I like Shaib. He's definitely a slot guy. Um, I don't think that you're going to necessarily see these tight ends be featured in the offense. We haven't seen that as of recent for New Orleans. So when we look at this team in general, I look at Michael Thomas as a guy that Derek Carr is going to look for, is going to feel comfortable with, have played with Michael Crabtree on the Raiders when Michael Crabtree was towards the end of his career. He's an older guy, but still successful with Derek Carr. So I think he's going to kind of connect with him, the routes they run. I'm not worried about training camp necessarily for Michael Thomas. I would be scared if he – I heard he looked horrible. But to your point, I heard sometimes he doesn't try as hard. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't want to practice. We know about that. So, I mean, to me, these older guys, when they get to a certain point, eh, do I really have to prove myself? I think that what matters to them is Sundays, and I like Michael Thomas, like I said, as a steal at the value. Well, I will say the difference for me, I think Michael Thomas does need to prove himself. I think he does have to prove that he still can be the same guy. So I disagree from that standpoint that taking things off as a veteran for him is the same scenario as a guy like DeAndre Hopkins because I don't, I don't see it that way. He does have something he needs to prove. Uh, however, you're going to take him late. The touchdowns were there, and maybe that is the role for him. And just commenting on the tight ends real quick, Juwan Johnson just smells like Robert Tunyon to me. His touchdown rate was through the roof. It's not sustainable. And to your point, I don't think he becomes a featured enough tight end, given the depth that they have that position to be anything more than what you're hoping him to be as a red zone guy. So I'm not on the Jawan Johnson bandwagon uh, at all. There's only a certain role in which he is going to play. But let's get into my sleepers, shall we? I went a little bit deeper than you did, Chris, at least on, on some of them anyway. But the first guy I want to talk about is Tank Dell. Now, Tank Dell may be a guy who's not even getting drafted necessarily in your 12-man, 16-round leagues, but that's why I put him out here because I'm saying, you know what? That 16th round or that last round before you take a defense and kicker, whatever the case may be, maybe give a little look to Tank Dell. I was big on this guy coming out of college, even though he's small. And Chris, you know me. that That's hard for me. I don't like the small guys all that much. But the dude just gets open. And we're not just talking about open. We're talking about like 
wide open, which could be the best friend for a rookie quarterback on a team that likely will have to come back from behind more times than not because it's still not a very good roster. And that quarterback, by the way, was somebody who was instrumental in them drafting him in the first place because he wanted him that badly. I do. There has been already a relationship between those two in preseason. The guy will play a ton in the second half. The only caveat I have, obviously, I don't know how many times he's going to play in two receiver sets, being that he can't really block. And this is a system in which we know comes from Shanahan, the wide receivers need the block. But that's where I go back to the fact that this team's not going to be very good and going to have to come back in the second half, and they're going to need playmakers out there, something the Texans severely lack. Nico Collins is an average, maybe an average receiver. He may even be below average receiver. Like, we're, we're done with the Nico Collins thing at this point, aren't we? John Mechie, great story. Wasn't big on him coming out of college as an NFL prospect. Seems like he's just a guy and a guy who needs to play in a slot. And I think Tank Dell's better than him in that category. Robert Woods, I think, has been washed for two years. So I see a real vacancy at the wide receiver position for somebody to step up. I 100% agree. I think this is the top receiver that you'd want to, you know, if you're going to target a, top, or a Texan receiver, this is the guy that you want to have your hands on. I'm 100% agree with you, Dan, that I, with a mouse there to feed, what are you really competing against? We know that CJ Stroud asked specifically for Tank Dell, that this is the guy that he wanted to play with. And then Tank Dell comes out and is basically just been lighting it up all summer long. Um, he beats off the press coverage. People thought, you know, what can he do? He gets over the top. He beats you all quickly. The guy scores touchdowns, too. That's one thing. I, well, I liked him as a smaller guy coming out of college. He attacks the ball. Not all these guys showed you production in college, and getting especially to the end zone or smaller guys. He did, and it wasn't just a matter of getting a bunch of bombs. It was guys, you know, short yardage, which we saw in the preseason. His touchdown he had in the preseason was a short yardage touchdown. So this guy, I think, also, I, I agree with you, you know, being a little bit worried about how much of a role does he play on two receiver sets. But Terry Kill doesn't block his shadow either. And if you can figure out how to kind of involve those guys, Jalen Wells is not a huge blocker. Um, the Dolphins kind of showed you the, you know, a, a blueprint in the sense of what you can do with that guy if he's not a blocker, jet sweep actions, you know, kind of fake screens. You can utilize him as a decoy versus necessarily being a guy who's blocked somebody. Hey, there's one we agreed on. How about that? All right. So my other guys, Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson. So we, we talk about best ball drafts and you do a ton of them over the year. And you look at you look at this time of year is when you go back and you look at, OK, who do I have the most shares of? I have the most shares of Van Jefferson and Roshan Johnson in my best ball leagues. It's like an automatic, like once we get to that 12th, 13th round, it's like Roshan Van Jefferson, Roshan Van Jefferson like every single time. Van Jefferson finally, finally is healthy going into the regular season. And I think that's been his biggest issue from taking that next step up in that Rams offense, especially last year. Somebody else besides Cooper Cup has to catch the ball. I have him ranked at wide receiver 52. ECR has him at wide receiver 66. ADP has him at wide receiver 72. This is his make or break year. Make no mistake about it. So if he he's going in there with an extra trip, an extra motivation because he has to get it done this year. Otherwise, it may never happen for him. So finally coming in healthy, great spot to get a high team target share outside of Cooper Cup, a team that's going to be terrible on defense, going to have to score a lot of points offensively. I do still believe in Sean McVay as a play caller. Van Jefferson is that guy I'm routinely taking in that 12th, 13th round and loving the value as like my fifth, sixth receiver at that point. Yeah, I mean, guy had 896 yards and six touchdowns in 2021. 
Um, you're looking at a good guy as a number two receiver, a great option for you to have as a you know a flex option on your roster. And the only thing, Dan, I'm going to ask you though is you're not going Cooper Cup because of Matthew Stafford. If Matthew Stafford goes down, Van Jefferson has no chance of doing anything fantasy wise. So that may be an only caveat, but I'm with you. I think this guy's an absolute steal. 100% agree. Glad you brought that up. My retort to that is you're drafting Van Jefferson the 13th round. Who cares if that winds up happening? And that's kind of the point when it comes to the sleepers. It's high risk, low reward. That's what I look for in these guys. Uh, my last guy, I feel like I wouldn't be on brand if I didn't bring him up. So that would be Sky Moore, baby. My wide receiver, 39. He actually moved up a spot since I did this outline. His ADP is still wide receiver, 52. As much as people have come up on Sky Moore, and they have drastically. Remember when this when this training camp, this offseason first started, it was all aboard the Kadarius Tony train, which I could never understand because I'm like, oh, Kadarius Tony's hurt? Shocker. What did you guys think was going to happen? Sky Moore is going to take that next step. Rookie receivers and Andy Reid's offense do not go off. It's why I'm a little bit worried about Rashi Rice because I, I do love Rice quite a bit, but it's why I'm not big on him in redraft leagues right now. They just don't get the role within his offense no matter what. Even Tyreek Hill did not have a great role as a rookie in Andy Reid's offense. That's my point. That's my problem with that. But Sky Moore in his second year, who comes in to be the main slot receiver, who's playing in two receiver sets with the Chiefs all offseason, who's been getting on the same page with Patrick Holmes when they do the improvisation, which we all know with Travis Kelsey, that's what makes the bread and butter. If you can get on the same page in improvisation situations with Patrick Mahomes, you are going to get fed. And he's 10 times more explosive than Juju Smith-Schuster ever was, especially now. I'm super big on Sky Moore, especially talking about a guy you can get as a wide receiver four or wide receiver five. Give me all the Sky Moore shares in this offense. Somebody has to emerge as the wide receiver one. Even Juju, for a stretch last year, was the guy that was starting routinely as your wide receiver three in PPR leagues. Give me Sky Moore every day of the week. Yeah, I mean, look, I definitely think he's way down on the ADP than he should be. I'm not as high on Sky Moore as you are, but what I do agree with you is I think there's a clear-cut vision of him being at least Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't see much more of a ceiling than that, but I do think that he can be as evolved as Juju Smith-Schuster as a receiver three, receiver four option on your team for the ADP's great value. That's going to do it for today's show. Hope you guys had fun. Hope you found it informative. I wish you all good luck in your fantasy football drafts this weekend. Make sure. Oh, go, 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 oh, one, here we go, Chris. Hold on. Sorry. I'm so sorry, but I just have to add one guy that I thought you were going to mention. You talked about Sky Moore. The guy that I actually wound up having, you talk, you know, having guys back to back, I have Dobbs and Elijah Moore. People, grab yourself some Elijah Moore. Do not forget. Look at that value and talk about another guy you have as a receiver three option. Elijah Moore is a beast. I love his matchup. I love the connection with him and Deshaun Watson I've been hearing about. Yeah, so I, I'm with if we this was a top five sleepers, I think Elijah Moore would have made my list. He doesn't quite crack my top three. There is, while I do think it's a little bit overblown and this will get corrected during the season, I am a little bit afraid of all the reports that Deshaun Watson looks like he still stinks out there. Just just, just enough to where he's not quite in my top three sleepers. But Elijah Moore is definitely somebody at his ADP, which I believe right now is in about the 10th round. If you go and look at it, it's somebody you can go ahead and take a shot on. We know his talent, what he can be. It, it What happened last year is not what Elijah Moore is. It wasn't the Jets giving up on Elijah Moore. It was Elijah Moore giving up on the Jets and taking away his roles. A big difference. So I like the Elijah Moore call out there right before the end of the show. 
Guys, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the bell notification so you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. And stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. We're going to be back again twice next week. Wednesday at 9.30, we'll be talking about the tight ends, our top five, our pitfalls, and our sleepers for that. And then Thursday, we get Chaz Flaherty on here for a full hour. It's going to be all sports betting for a full hour, getting you ready to cash in some tickets on the NFL divisions and player awards and player VR props. That's what we're going to be mostly focusing in on for that. So make sure you tune in. And then after that, dude, it's week one. It's week one after that. Oh my God, I cannot wait. Give us a follow on social media at Show on X and at Show on Facebook, Instagram, threads, and TikTok. Guys, we're going to see you next week. (laughs) 